If you have your Bible, open up to Romans 5, verse 6 through 10. Romans 5, verse 6 through 10. And I know that I know that whenever we come to church, we have an expectancy. You know, we expect the worship to be the worship. We expect the message to be the message. The next day, we might not even remember what I say. We might not even remember what we praise God about. We're like, yes, Lord Jesus, I love you. The next day, you're like, what did I say again? So I want you guys to dig down deep because I know a lot of you have been here for a long time because you're the faithful ones. And we have two new people, which Ben has been here a long time ago. And then we got Clayton over here, who is our new guest. But I want you guys to dig deep because the thing that I want out of this youth group isn't just that we come here and we hang out, which that is very important. But I want us to be able to, when I come over to church, I say, all right, guys, who here today had an experience that they want to tell everybody about that happened to them this week? And then somebody raises their hand and says, guess what happened? Man, there's this person, and they were epileptic. They couldn't even move. And I said, Lord God, I just prayed they'd be healed. And they popped up, and they started moving the jig because they are so excited. You're like, oh, I want stuff like that to happen. Or you guys know who a drug dealer is. And you're like, dude, I was talking to him this week. Not, nothing just out of, it was out of the blue. It was like, hey, man, how you doing? And then you say, but this is what happened. He began to tell me about his life. Why is he a drug dealer? What he's going through. And he said that he wanted to come to church tonight, and he's here tonight. And you're like, wow. And we're like, dude, this is some great stuff happening. You know, I want more than just the regular youth group. I want us to have a touch from God. And I know you guys know that because I began to preach about it a couple months ago. But I just really want more. Because this can really mean nothing. We don't need another sermon. We don't need me to preach. We don't need anybody to lead worship if we don't have a real experience with God tonight. And I want that. I know he can touch us through tonight's message. So, with that said, we're going to talk about when grace pays. In Romans 5, verse 6, it says, When we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Anybody would do, die for someone that they really like, somebody that's good. Like, oh, man, he, he just helps people all day. I saw him yesterday helping an old lady with her groceries and helping them put them into her car. Man, he's a good dude. I'd die for him, sure. But what he's saying is, yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, which means we have been seen as righteous in front of God because of Jesus' death. It says, but by God, he demonstrated his own love, verse 8, toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For in when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. I'm going to read verse 10 one more time. For when we were enemies, we were reconciled. So it's saying that, you know, you were an enemy of God. You guys have some enemies that you've seen at school. Whenever you're in school, you're like, dude, I just don't like that dude. If he comes up to me today, I'm going to give him a five-finger discount. Bang! And that's going to be his lunch. I have people who I don't like. And Lord has to work on me daily. If there's someone I don't like whenever I play basketball and he nudges me wrong, I'm like, dude, you best watch out. I'm about to pop you in the nose. I'm like, all right, God, you have given me grace. Help me to give him grace. So God's saying, you were an enemy. So you weren't just some dude or some girl who was doing some little sins. No, you were an enemy of God. That's some strong language. Some very strong language. And it says, 
that God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Because grace, when grace pays. In the Old Testament, there is this first instance whenever Moses comes down from the mountain. And he begins to tell everybody the laws. And they're supposed to keep the Sabbath day holy. Now, the Sabbath day today, we take it pretty lightly. On Saturdays, we sit in bed a little longer. We relax a little bit longer. We don't, you know, we don't talk to everybody we normally do. We, you know, might read a book instead of talking on a cell phone. But that day, which was the Saturday, it was from actually Friday night until Saturday morning. They could do no work. Now, the first time they had this law implemented, there's all these Israelites, and they're in the desert. And this guy goes over to these sticks, and he begins to pick them up. And someone sees him. Oh, he's picking up sticks. He's working. And they were told previously that if they worked, they were in trouble with God. So he's over there picking up sticks. And they go to this guy named Moses, who is their leader. And they say, Moses, what are we supposed to We saw him picking up sticks. <gasps> he was working. But God said, don't work. What do we do? So Moses is like, okay, I'm going to go find out. Hmm. So he goes over here. Jesus, not Jesus, but God, what should we do about this dude picking up sticks? And God says, the audacity of God says, you're going to stone him to death. Now, when people read that and they ain't Christian, they're like, stone him to death? That's a little drastic. But God was trying to make a point. He was saying, the law of God, any sin, if you sin, there's penalty that you have to pay, and that was blood. And then the Old Testament, you also had, if you looked at a girl, you're like, whoa, she's pretty, but she has this full robe on, and you can't see anything. You're like, whoa, she's pretty. And you looked over and you're like, oh, she's pretty. You're like, oh, I got to go do a sacrifice. In the Old Testament, you had to take a sheep. I don't remember if it was a sheep or dove because they had different ones they had to do. But you had to take it, and you took it to the priest. You're like, priest, here's my sheep. There's no spots on it because it could have no spots. It had to be perfect. You're like, look at it. And the priest would go, all right, picked up his leg. No, nope, no spots over there. Look at that. There's a mole. I need a new one. You're like, okay. Mm, take it. Put it. And it had to be the firstborn. He brought it back. He looked it over. He looked over the tail. Okay. This one's qualified for the sacrifice. Because there could be nothing wrong with it. And he would take that sheet and he would take it, cut it up, blah, 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 just nasty stuff. I'm happy that I'm not a minister back then, praise God, because it was nasty. So he would cut it up and there would be blood spilt because of that person looking at that girl. Or if someone sinned and they didn't even know it, they had to pay a price. So they brought it to the priest, he'd go, and I forgot exactly what it was, but they'd bring the price because there was a debt that they had to pay. Now, today, the only reason why I'm not struck dead, because I used to sin a lot, and even yesterday I said some things I wish I didn't, or, you know, just an example, that that sin, I would have had to pay a lot of price so I can come today and be able to talk to you guys about Jesus. But grace, as we know it, is undeserved and unmerited favor. And that is Jesus, like I said, that he came down and he died, that God demonstrated his love through Jesus Christ, that he died on a cross so we can be reconciled to him, so we can be righteous. So there's two things I want to talk to you about. I don't know how fast I'm going to talk to you about it because there's only two points. But the first point, if you're taking notes, is grace paid the price. In verse 6, it says, for when we were still without strength, it says that when we're still without strength, 
In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. You know, there are days where I walk in this room, and it's a Wednesday night, and we have our praise and worship, and I'm sitting there or wherever I'm staying, I don't even know. But I'm over there, I'm like, all right, God, I pray that tonight. And sometimes in my heart, I stop. I'm wondering, God, is it even worth it? I've been here for almost three years. After the summer, it'll be three years. And I've preached on Wednesdays, on Sunday mornings. I sit there, and we sit at the table in our youth room. And I'm looking at all you guys, and I'm believing with all my heart that there would be a day that I know a lot of you know the Lord. I know that. But you guys are going to tell me stories about how you saved this drug addict that was down the street, or you saved this prostitute that was down the street, and you brought them to Christ. You know, I love that kind of stuff. But today, I don't see it. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. Now, sometimes you guys tell me some great stories, but as I sit there or I stand here, I think, you know, is it worth it? Because one of the leading things for a man or a woman or whoever, a human being, it says one of the fears that they have is public speaking. Now, to come up here, I say, all right, guys, I want to talk to you about when grace pays. You know what? There are thoughts that go through my head. Like people could be sitting there like, ah, blah, 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 blah. Oh, that's stinky. Mm. Blah, 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 blah. And it could be worth nothing. Next week, I could preach again, and it's worth nothing. Year after year, which it has been years, we could be sitting here, and the thing that I want the most is that God will come in here, and he will touch our lives. And when people say, man, you sound real churchy, because this is church, we sit there like, why are you yelling so much? You know, why are you so passionate about this? Why is it? That whenever we see people on a football field, because I like football, and I like to watch it on Sundays, and you see the coach and he's screaming and his veins popping out, and you're like, yeah! And there's a guy running down the court or running down the field, and he's like, and he's pushing out these buff dudes, like, get off of me! And he's running, and he has got pigskin in his arm, and he is touchdown, woo! And everybody's like, yeah, now you can't celebrate as much, but back in the day you could, and that was great, and people are like, yeah! The prettiest little girl who is petite, you see, I've seen her, I've seen girls get up like, ah, football, like, huh, I didn't even know you like football, but something in them just rose up, but when we hear preachers today, and you think, why is he yelling, I'm excited, and I know that everybody in this room will be looking at me like, you're an idiot, what are you doing, but the Bible says that from when we were still without strength, I believe that there's strength that is arising up every time I talk to you guys, every time we pray, every time we worship God, we're like, God, woo! And you got yellow pits. You're like, dude, that's gross. But you're like, yeah, God, I love you. You're like, why am I raising my hands? Just surrendering. And no one else is? Man, that's grace. So Jesus came. It says that while we were yet sinners, he came. And sin is just disobedience to God. That's a, it's an easy way to say, what is sin? Because whenever I was in Bible college, I was like, what it actually is sin? So I looked it up, and I'm like, what is it? So out of my hours and hours of study, it's just disobedience to God. If he says, do this, go to your neighbor and say, hey, I want to invite you to church. And you disobey, that's sin. Or you, you go, and you're like, God, I'm depressed. I'm just depressed. And I know there's depression that does attack people. But God's saying, come on, come on, rise up, come on, I love you. And you're like, I hate myself. You know, that's sin. He said, come on. And because of that, 
whenever we go to God, we say, all right, God, what is the price? The price is blood by the Old Testament and by the New Testament. And that was Jesus Christ. And I want them to have the best. So grace, as we know, is Jesus Christ in person because grace paid the price. Now, on Sunday, my uncle, my aunt, and my cousin come into town. Actually, they came into town on Saturday night. And they call me up. They're like, we want to take you out to lunch. And as soon as they said that, cha-ching, yeah, boy, I'm getting a free lunch because they love to pay for me. He has his own business. He's actually a, a mortician. <laughs> it's kind of creepy. But uh, he, he, what he does is he takes biz- he takes um people's caskets and all that stuff he does the services and he does them a lot cheaper than most people because people get ripped off in those times so he cuts the price as low as he can so he can live but he still makes money off of it so he took me out to eat and i'm driving up him my aunt and my cousin and she's 22 and i'm driving up to the salt grass steakhouse and i'm thinking praise god steak and i haven't had steak in a long time so i'm excited I'm like, and I'm driving, and all I have is five bucks in my pocket because it was on Sunday, and the banks weren't open until Tuesday. And I don't use a debit card; I just use cash. So I'm thinking, if I had to pay, <laughs> I only got five dollars in my pocket. And I'm driving up to the parking lot, parking to my parking space. I get out, and I'm thinking, Lord God, I pray that He will pay for my meal. So. They tell me, and I call them up. I'm like, all right, guys, what are, you, go, are you guys here yet? And they're like, no, we're not there yet. So save us four seats, including myself. So I go into the, to the lady who's at the desk, and I say, all right, we're like, four seats. She's like, okay, we just had to take a minute to clean off the table. So they go over there, and they clean off the table. And they bring me, and I'm sitting there at the table. And all I'm thinking about is, oh, God, I pray that I don't have to pay for myself because <laughs> I don't got any dough in my pocket right now. So they walk in. And the concessions lady, she brings them to the table, and she sits them down. Now, just a tip, anybody who goes out with other people to eat, and they're going to pay, and you know it, or you guess, <laughs> kind of figure out what they're ordering. So I have my menu out, and I'm waiting. The lady comes up, our, our waitress, and she comes up and says, what do you guys know what you like to eat? And I said, oh, just like a second, because she talked to my aunt first, and then to me, I was like, no, I'll wait for just a second, just to see if anybody else is going to order a steak. I want me a steak. And she ordered some tacos. I was like, oh, Lord, I hope I don't get in trouble for ordering steak. So I had a steak on the menu that I was just, oh, it was a sirloin, certain cut. It was great. It looks good. And I was excited about it. So I'm waiting. I was like, no, I'll wait. So she goes next to me. My, my cousin was sitting there, and she orders the steak that I was looking at. I was like, yes. So... She orders. Now I'm thinking I'm going to order the exact same thing. Then my uncle orders, and the lady comes back to me. She's like, do you know what you would like to eat now? I was like, I sure do. I want the steak or the wagon something something. She's like, all right. I was like, yeah. It's like, how would you like it cooked? I want a medium. So she brings it out, and it's sizzling. And it looks good, and there's juice all over the place. And she puts it down in front of me. I'm like, mm, yeah, it looks good. So I start cutting into it after we all prayed. Start cutting into it, and I'm eating and I'm still thinking, one thing, I hope I don't get stuck with my own bill. So I finish eating my steak, and I wipe my face, looking around, and my aunt still had some tacos left over. I said, so those are really good tacos, huh? She's like, yeah, you want it? I'm like, yes. So she gives me the taco. Man, I eat that thing. Finally, we're talking and having a conversation. The waitress comes back out. She looks at my uncle. She says... 
So, is this all on one or is it separate? I'm thinking, all on one, please, please, please. He looks at her, all on one. What would happen if I did not, if I did not have the money? You guys tell me, what would happen? Your friend would call you back later and say you didn't pay for your drinking and then you did. Okay. I could tell. Tell me, what would happen? Talk to me. He'd be doing dishes in the back. I'd be doing dishes in the back. Guaranteed. I'd have a new job that I didn't want. Because I had to pay the price. And grace, which is Jesus, paid the price of a debt that we owed. Now, when people come to Christ, they come to church, they're like, Church, why is it so special? A lot of them don't know that they owe a debt because of sin. But grace, because he loved us, paid that debt. Man, that's something to be excited about. And we come to church today, and people sit around, and they've been in church their whole life. They're like, we talk about grace. And even myself, I'm not discluding myself. We talk about, we're like, so, Chris, you know that Jesus loves you? And you're like, wow, that's creepy. And you're like, you know, Jesus really loves you. See you on date line. Yeah, that's creepy. (laughs) And we just take it, we're like, you know, I've heard that thousands of times. I've heard that so many times that I could quote to you John 3, 16. God loved the world, gives only God something who believe in him, not spare, but everlasting life. And you're like, wow, he's got it down packed. But then when we go home, people see us and we're sad. We don't feel joy, but we don't remember the debt that we owed. Because there's a, pi- a price that needed to be paid. And then other people would come to church. And they walk in, and then the second point is grace paid for the sinner. Grace comes in, and they see this pastor, and they have been depressed. They have had a bad day. They're in debt, and they sit down in the pews, and they're sitting there. And this little white boy is up there. Yeah, guys, I want to talk to you about Jesus. And his veins popping out, and they're like, wow. Not because I'm so good, but because they're hearing about love. But back home, their dad beats them. Right? I have friends who get beat. I've had friends who have been abused. And you look at them like, how is that possible? And you tell them about grace. And they say, it's too good to be true. I have to, do I have to work for it? You're like, no. Yet while you were a sinner, Jesus paid that price. While you were a sinner, Jesus paid that price. That's tough for me personally. You know, when I come up here, I talk to you guys. My guys, I really love you. And you guys have had thousands of people, even millions of people say that they love you. What makes me different? You guys are going to call me late at night and say, look, I'm at the point where I'm about to slip my wrist. Because that happens. I want to be able to answer that phone call. Not because they deserve it, but because I love them. Now... This would be a shocker to a lot of you, but I have not always been the good little kid that I, you know, I'm here right now, a good adult. You know, I try my best to serve the Lord and obey Him, but I have not always been that way. When I was in high school, I lived in a very small town from my house on Main Street. It was actually called Main Street. You look out, you look down the street, it was in upstate New York. So there's big, tall trees in their, in their yards. There's giant trees, big old leaves, but they have everything cut to where you can look down the street. And down the street, off in the distance, you can see the gas station, which was also the grocery store, which was also, if you want to get anything, that's where you went. That's sad. Very small town. 
I used to walk home with my brother, and at night, guys would follow us, and they'd be cussing at us. We'd be cussing back. And they'd be saying, I'm going to beat you right now. Oh, yeah, bring it. We're just walking. We're trying to act tough. It was hard. So one day, actually one night, me and my brother, and it was cold outside because there's a lot of snow, and we had our coats on, and we're walking on one side of the street, and on the other side of the street was the gas station. And that's where all the thugs and the cool guys want to hang out. I mean, that's where I would hang out if there was more than us. <laughs> but there's a ton of them. There's this big mob of people. And you know at gas stations you have the big pole that goes into the air. And it has the billboard that says the gas price. Well, they're all sitting around that like, yeah, what's up? And they're talking. And from the other side of the street, this one guy had a Buffalo Bills. It was a big puffy jacket. It had a Buffalo Bills emblem on it. And we used to have, I had a best, not a best friend, but one of my friends from childhood, his name was David, and we called him Buffalo Bill because he was a Buffalo Bills fan, fanatic. They were horrible, and he still loved them. So we're looking across the street, and I thought that was Buffalo Bill. Like, right, Buffalo Bill, man, what's up? This guy turns around, he's like, yeah, I don't even know, what? So I still got my chest, like, what's up? And I walk across the street. And my brother's with me, and he's buff because he was shorter than I am. He's buffered, and he did taekwondo, so he's tough. And he always beat me up, so I thought he was tough. And so we go over the street, and we, I go up to that guy. I'm like, what the beep? And there's like a little muter. Boop, boop, mute, 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 because I'm cussing like a sailor. Pastor's kid, not being a good example, and I thought I was a Christian. And I'm like, beep, you son of a beep. So you can fill in the blanks if you want to. And this guy's like, bring it up. I was like, I'll be back. So me and my brother, we walked to my house, opened up the garage door. I go get this neon green wooden bat. I'm about to knock some heads, baby. And he go gets a crow's bar, and we thought we were tough. So we're going down the street, and we go back to that same spot, and there's one guy at the pole waiting on us. I'm like, where's your son of a big friend, man? He's like, he's like, oh. He's waiting for you at his house. So he takes us down the street, and we go to his house. And now I'm in the front yard with a bat behind my back. And I'm thinking, oh, you're going to respect it. <laughs> I'm going to get him. And my brother has a pipe and his coat, and we're waiting. And they come out. There's about eight of them. <laughs> they come out. <laughs> they come out, and they all have pipes. They'll have whatever they have, you remember. And the guy comes up to me. He's like, look, man. And I thought I was tough, okay? And I'm thinking, oh, I'm about to whoop all y'all. Yeah, right. Look at these, man. I don't got no arms. <laughs> so he's like, look, bro. He whispered to my ear. He's like, look, this is my house. You know, I don't want my mom to see all this or whatever he says. Something like that. It was a long time ago. He's like, I don't want them to see, you know, all this stuff and the cops coming. So I was like, fine. I threw my bat. Me and my brother got on his bike. What do you do? We go home. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. The best part of that story is that that little punk, me, that Jesus loved me then. And I have a hard time believing that. I do. Because I was a cusser. I had a lot of girls. I had a lot of girlfriends. And I was like, look, how can you like me? So when I became a Christian, I used to ask God this question. Where in the Bible does it say God loves me? I know, John 3, 16. I had that memorized as soon as I came out. My mom was, whoa. I was like, I was a little weird. I was like, everlasting life. Amen. I was like, ah, mom. 
So I had that down. I did. But whenever you are struggling with your salvation, you got like, God, I know I prayed the prayer. I asked for repentance. I got it. I go to church on Sunday. I go to youth group on Wednesday. I play guitar in the youth ministry. Cool. But God, where in the Bible does it say you loved me? So when I come to this verse, it says in verse 7, actually verse 8, sorry, but God demonstrates his own love towards us. Mm. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, I wish I was at the place where I could say that verse and be able to cry in front of you guys and not make it up. <laughs> and be like, I said, God loves you. So you could see my heart. Because deep inside of me, I know that I'm deserving of death. But grace paid the price. And sometimes that sounds so dramatic. Like, oh, God, I want to tell you that grace, when grace pays, man, you guys were deserving of death. But now you're deserving of life. And that sounds so cheesy because we say it so many times and so many times and so many times. But if anything, man, I hope you guys grab hold of that on your darkest of days. Or if it's today and you're wondering, look, I'm at church, but why? Because God loved you. And he still does. That if someone just caught him in that door... I would love it if you guys were never distracted because you're like, look, I don't care about how you preach, David. I don't care if you're a good speaker. I don't care. I don't care if the worship's good. But tonight, oh, I want to come to Jesus. I'm going to say, Jesus, wrap your arms around me. And you feel it. You're like, oh, yeah. That's why I came. Albert Einstein used to do something really interesting because we as Americans go from sermon to sermon to sermon, Right? We get nothing. One of the reasons why I think Albert Einstein was one of the smartest people is because of the way he would take something and think about it for so long. I'm not sure. If, I, I didn't see him do it, so I can't tell you. I can only tell you by what people have said. He used to take two rocks. He would take two rocks. And he would sit down. And he would think about one little problem. And he would think about it so long that when he fell asleep... The reason why he held the rocks is because when he let go, because you know when you let go of something, you'd be in that meditation, like, oh. And he let go, the rocks would hit together when it hit the ground, because if you held them close together, it hit together, and it would wake him up, just that little noise. And he'd wake up, like, oh. And he'd do it again. You'd take those two rocks, and you'd think about the simplest thing to other people, and he would think about it. For so long, every detail, every line, which way can I go? Which way? What can I think? And he'd add math. And he'd just, he would think about it and think about it to where he fell asleep. And he's almost asleep. And his hand goes limp. And he drops the rocks and wakes him up. And he would do it again. Man, if we got to that place with the word of God, and I know you're in church, so it's easy to say, look, the main subject tonight is the word of God, Jesus. But if you took that and you said, okay, God, why do you love me? And you would think about it and think about it and think about it to where you fell asleep and you dropped the rocks and they woke you up. There'd be a lot of revelation. And you guys would come to youth group and it would not just be an event that we do. It'd be exciting 
because you just spent hours waiting. The Bible says that he is there in the secret place. Not everybody gets to go there. He's there waiting for us to go to that place. There's so much noise today. But if we meditated about when grace paid the price, man, that's powerful. So, but that's all I have for tonight. But I want you guys to, to try to grab hold of grace, okay? Because this is our last message for, the, for our grace messages, for our series. But there's some people who aren't here right now. And normally this place is packed. I mean, not packed, but there's a lot of people here. But there's some people who are missing. Now, I know there, I can think of two people who are not here because of something. They didn't feel love in this place, for one, just to let you guys know. Because in this room, there wasn't that love that God showed to us. Because that's grace. We didn't deserve it. But I want you to think of those people and start praying for them. Because I want you to be practical with this message. It's just it's an ideal. I want you to think about them and say, God, I pray for this one. I love them. I care about them. I don't know why they're doing it. And then send them a text message. Because this is a place where I believe that you hear the word and you act it out. And that's how we do it. So I think that's why we're effective too as Christians. Just to show love. Because how many of you heard... Now, when you talk about Jesus, you think of, oh, you know, that's a, little, that's a bunch of crazy believers or whatever. I've, I know I've heard people say that plenty of times. Instead of, oh, man, is that those people who really love each other, who care, who went to that person's house? I mean, we need a better reputation. <laughs> diehard friends, diehard family. I want that. 